Imagine positioning yourself for the best job offers where companies are willing to pay you for what you're worth. All you need to do is bring out your negotiation skills. We're going to discuss how to improve negotiation skills and so much more. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Ready to transform your financial life with ease and confidence? Discover the Her Dinero Matters Money Planner, your ultimate digital tool for simplifying money management with its unique blend of psychological insights and practical budgeting tools. This planner is not just about tracking expenses, but about rewriting your money story. Whether you're aiming for big financial goals or everyday financial wellness, this planner is your personalized guide to simplify your money management and elevate your confidence. Download your copy today by visiting jenhemphill.com forward slash planner for more details and even get a sneak peek inside. Use the code REINA at checkout for 10% off. You are listening to Her Dinero Matters, the podcast helping Latinas have increased confidence and control over their finances. My name is Jen Hempel, and as an accredited financial counselor, my mission is to help you be more confident and simplify your finances so you can save more, get out of debt quicker, and build your wealth. If you master those negotiation skills, there is no doubt you'll open up new opportunities and realize your own power to achieve the best without settling for less. This is your host, Jen Hemphill, and I appreciate you being here and willing to learn more and continue on in your financial journey. In this episode, Mandy Woodrow Santos, an expert in negotiation skills, will teach you some of the basics, but she also shares some incredible valuable tips. She has achieved incredible opportunities through her skills and of course you can too. Whether you aim for a raise, a job switch, or something else, this is a crucial episode to position yourself in the best way to get the outcome you desire. Mandy Woodruff Santos is a globally recognized career expert, founder of the Mandy Money Makers, and the co-host of the two-time Webby Award-winning podcast Brown and Ambition. Through her online career coaching community, the Mandy Moneymaker, she is on a mission to help women of color achieve their wildest financial and career ambitions. If you want to continue the conversation from this particular episode, we have just the thing to do that because we have a community. We'll discuss more about this later, but for now, let's get started with the show. Bienvenida, Mandy. I'm so thrilled to finally have you on the show. I know I've been following you. We were trying to figure out if we actually met in person or not yet, but yeah. I'm just really thrilled to have you here because I've been following your work and your evolution over the years. So it's really exciting to have you and, and really dig into the conversation on negotiation, which is where your skills, yeah. I mean, you have a lot of skills, but this this is where your heart is at, I think. 
this is my superpower, I realized. Yeah. And it's also the thing that a lot of people talk about from like a high level without actually having done a lot of it themselves, you know? So you, it's like one of those areas that has like rules of thumb and don't say this and do that. But I've been negotiating for so long and now as a career coach, helping hundreds of women negotiate, you know, across the country that I feel like I'm kind of like a PhD in salary negotiation at this point, not to brag. And yeah, I love it. And by the way, thank you for having me on. It is lovely to finally meet you. I know the, the lines of social media in person, per, you know, influencer educator space is like very blurred, but it is nice to meet you finally. <laughs> of course. And then the pandemic happened. So there that. Yeah, yeah, that too. There's that too. <laughs> Well, we, I definitely want to dive into where you're really your skills and where you're really your strengths are, but I want, we want to get to know you, Mandy. So if you could just take us back in time to where maybe you were a little girl, maybe even a teenager, or maybe it was an adult for you, where you experienced something, where you saw something, you heard something that really had a huge impact on you and as to how you see money even today. You know, I kind of always go back to this. It's not really a, a hearing, but it's something I saw a lot. My mom and I would go to like Macy's together or Penny's uh, department store and she would be looking for an even bigger wallet, like one of the huge ones that were basically a filing cabinet you could put in your in your purse. And it would be to fit all her credit cards. And, you know, for me, also being a child of divorce, my parents divorced when I was 10, money was just always an argument. It was it wasn't the reason. Well, it was a big reason, I think, contributing factor to their divorce. But we just never seemed to have enough of it. And it seemed like it was bad to want it, but also, you know, we didn't have it and we wanted it. We wanted more. Yeah, I, I have some early core memories of just always kind of feeling like mom was stretched thin. She did raise four kids as a single mom. Yeah. And then you have those moments when you're at the uh, grocery store and, you know, mom's debit card gets declined and uh, makes me like really emotional thinking about it from her perspective. As a kid, I'm like, oh, I'm the one who put the ice cream in the cart. It's my fault, you know, and I'm feeling bad. And yeah, I just all that has sat with me. And it's one of the big reasons why as I approached my career and my finances as an adult, I didn't have a lot of knowledge, but I knew that I wanted something different. I wanted to be able to really support myself um, so my mom could just have less of a burden, you know, financially. And negotiating more is a way to do that, right? It sure is. <laughs> For yeah. sure. <laughs> Life hack. <laughs> well, thank you for, for sharing that and props to your mom because I, I have utmost respect for all the single moms out there doing Ugh. their thing. Kid is it's not an easy job. I have a spouse that supports me. I have just and and you may or may not know Mandy, but my husband's in the military. So I have like a snippet, but it's it's not really of what I call it solo parenting. <laughs> not single mom or or single parenting because it's is a that's a completely ball different ball game. So I have an utmost respect for all the single moms. Now let's get into negotiation. You are the negotiation queen in my eyes. When, when was this moment where you learned that this was a strength of yours, that this is something that you really love to do and that you are really good at? Yeah, I mean, since I was really young, I was always trying to do something that people said I couldn't do. You know, when I was a kid at Six Flags, for example, that was a big deal. In I'm from Georgia originally, and like Six Flags, you go to the amusement park with your siblings. And I was like tallish for my age, so I could ride rides probably before I was like mentally old enough. And I would... I could see that they were like, you can't go on that. 
rocket ship or the ninja roller coaster or whatever. And I'd be like, I'm going to do it anyway. And that has just been a part of my personality ever since in the sense that I will jump off the cliff. I will ask the boy out on the school bus who I have a crush on just because I feel like people don't think I have the guts, you know? And so much of negotiating is pushing yourself off the edge of a cliff, a tiny cliff, you know, <laughs> where you're not really sure what is going to come of it. And it's like doing the thing anyway. So one of my, as a negotiator, yes, I'm a good negotiator, but really I'm good at pushing myself to do things that put me outside of my comfort zone. So a lot of my coaching, I mean, yes, I do obviously coach on what to say and what not to say and how to strategically negotiate all of that. But the hurdle that a lot of people need to overcome, especially women, is just trusting that they can ask for more and they're not going to crash, you know? And each time you ask for something, each time you put a toe over that cliff and, you know, take a little leap or maybe you start with, um, something smaller. I don't know. It feels empowering and you start to realize, oh, I didn't die. No, no one came for me. I still get to try again. And it builds your um, resiliency. It builds your confidence. And that is something I don't think we give ourselves enough of a chance to do throughout our lives because we're just scared. We are. And, and trusting is, is su such a huge thing. And like you said, after trusting yourself and just doing the thing anyway, you find out maybe it wasn't as bad as you thought. Maybe you don't get the answer you wanted, but you learned something along the way. It got you somewhere else. You're not in the same position you were in before, but maybe it got you a step forward to something else. Else, right and you just don't know until you put yourself so I love that and we I might have seen you at Six Flags at one point I lived outside of Atlanta <laughs> in Athens Georgia oh yeah but oh well, I went to UGA so yeah we definitely okay. crossed paths maybe in different years though yeah. well we, we won't maybe. ask you know I think you're a millennial I'm not a millennial so different different years <laughs> <laughs> Now, when it comes to negotiation, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you're not going to hear the answer you want to hear. Sometimes you hear a no. So what do you do when you go to the table and you lay out, you know, basically, this is what I've brought to to your company. This is what I've been able to accomplish, all of that. And you ask for this raise and the answer comes back as a no. What do you do? A lot of my negotiation happened when I was leaving my current employer for a new opportunity. You're in a much stronger place of leverage when they're when they fear losing you. And so one of my strategies was always being open to new opportunities and being willing to walk away from an employer and use the fact that I was gainfully employed as a negotiation, you know, bargaining chip for the company trying to poach me. Like, hey, I'm kind of happy where I'm at. So you're gonna have to make this a really sweet deal for me, having that confidence. So in your scenario, it's really about so going to your employer employer where you currently work, which plenty of people want to do. And I think that's the first it's kind of the first thing they think about when they negotiate because it's almost too scary to think about like leaving. So they're like, okay, I can just ask for a raise where I'm at. The challenge with asking for a raise where you currently are employed is if you don't have a lot of leverage, like if they're not afraid to lose you, if your value isn't like really recognized or seen, which unfortunately for a lot of women of color, we are undervalued, they will overlook us and they'll say no or wait six months or we'll revisit this during your next annual review. I'm not saying don't ask. And in fact, I have a whole free batch of scripts for people who want to ask for a raise at work right now. It's entirely free. I'll give you a link so that you have the language to use to ask for a raise at work. But I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is no, if you don't have a couple of things going for you, they really recognize your value or you have a competing offer 
and they are afraid that you're going to get poached by another company. And so they will, you know, scramble to get their coins together to keep you. Even if they want to keep you though, they, you still may hear, oh, we just don't have it right now. So that's the thing, like you may hear no. And I think if you don't have any leverage or any other bargaining chips, then it's likely that you may hear no or not yet. And then at the same time, don't look at that as being defeated. Just look at it as information. At least you asked and now you know. Why would I keep staying loyal here if they're not going to value me in the right way? Maybe now you have some fire in your belly to go look for new opportunities elsewhere. And then you come back to them again and you're like, remember how you told me to wait six months? Well, company B loves me and they want to offer me 20% more. What are you going to do about it? And then you may have a very different scenario from them from from that point on. Oh, I can see why that is <laughs> for sure. And so, but let's say you really love your job, maybe and you you got the no and there's other things you can negotiate right so the pay raise is not necessarily the only thing tell us about that what are some other things that you can negotiate that maybe you got the no for the pay raise but you're like okay if they're not giving me the pay raise i'd really like to negotiate something else what are some ideas and some things that people can negotiate outside of pay Oh, a thousand percent. And honestly, pay is great. We all love to be paid really well. But I, over the course of my career, recognize that there are so many, like at the end of the day, a bigger paycheck or a bonus or whatever ain't going to fix a dysfunction junction work environment. Okay. Or it's not going to fix the fact that you're being pulled in a thousand different directions, that there's no clarity with what your role is, that you're being given a lot of competing information about what your purpose is supposed to be, and you're just not sure how to focus your time. A higher pay will not replace the fact that you're being asked to take on a bunch of, you know, duties and responsibilities that keep you really late at the office, or you're inundate, inundated with meetings during the day. So you feel like you really can't get work done until after 5 p.m. and then you're staying late or you're taking the home with you. So yes, higher pay is nice, but if you're not in a good working environment where you're able to thrive and feel like you're really valuable and you know your purpose, then honestly, let's talk about that and how you can get there. And having a conversation around pay me more then becomes having a conversation to negotiate. Can I get some additional resources? Can I have, and this has happened to me in my career as well, learning how to really articulate what I need to feel sane and be able to be at my best. And I don't think enough of us there's just so many of us are suffering in silence and resenting our managers for foisting so much work upon us or resenting so-and-so in another department who keeps asking us for crap. And can't they see I'm busy, you know? And we just don't know how to speak up and say, here's what's been going on, here's what I need so that I can feel more clear and then asking for it. I had to learn early in my career that my manager didn't have all the answers for me and that it was up to me at a certain point to just recognize, okay, he's not giving me what I need, so I need to tell him what I need. So asking for a budget, for example, so that you can delegate some tasks to a contractor or a freelancer, making sure that you have a regular meeting cadence with your manager so that you guys can go over like, what should your priorities be? And what do you experience from this team or that team? Negotiating like, hey, I could really have a couple more hours to work if I weren't commuting every day. So could I have work from home days a few days a week? Negotiating for more time off, you know, for example, th there's a lot more negotiating for better systems better software, better equipment so that you're not fighting this stupid computer that has been janky, you know, 
um and and being a squeaky wheel get some of that grease y'all <laughs> yeah and plus even and even just doing that gets you that practice mm -hmm. of asking and being comfortable or getting as you mentioned outside of that comfort zone that we don't like to be in but that's how we learn and i think just practicing that and asking for those things that you need because your employer wants you to or I would they think. should want you to. <laughs> they should <Yeah. laughs> want you to have a good quality of life is not what I'm looking for, but in a good environment. Quality of work life, yeah. Quality of work life. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And so they that's in their best interest for, to provide you that mm -hmm. in, in, in theory, right? If they're a good employer. <laughs> I think definitely practicing that uh, is, is very important. Now, this is something I didn't ask at the beginning, but what are the key things? before you as you prepare to ask for a raise or negotiate the things that you mentioned what are the key things that you need to come to the negotiation table with when you prepare yeah so and this is if you're negotiating for a raise at your current employer right correct yeah so you want to um, ideally come to the table with a good solid um, you know, list of accomplishments, what your impact has been to the team, what value you have been bringing, and really state your case. And this is one of the reasons why I love keeping a document, like keeping a Google Doc or a Word Doc open at all times while you're working to really keep track of good feedback, testimonials from other departments who say they loved working with you, what happened because of something that you did, like did you save the company money, did you make more money, did you streamline a process, did you, you know, take the initiative to oversee a project that was going off the rails and really highlight, you know, for them why you are so valuable and why you feel that you are deserving of a raise. On top of that, have some data as far as how your current salary compares to comparable jobs at other companies, like even doing research into the top competitors for your company and someone with your, you know, skill set and job title and seeing if you can get some facts behind like what others are making at your level. And you can bring that data as well. And I, in my scripts, I have a script where you can basically say, you know, I am not being paid um, my market value and here are the facts to back that up. So you're bringing of course, the value to them, but you're also letting them know that you know that compared to the market, you're undervalued. And uh, one of my favorite ways to actually get that salary data, like what are other people making, has nothing to do with Glassdoor or salary.com. Those are fine sources. Job interviewing. I love it. Because if you think about it, like if you're a house, you know, when you put your house on the market, or if you're thinking about putting your house on the market, you're like, well, what could I get for this? And you may go on Zillow and you have a Zestimate, right? But a Zestimate is not entirely accurate. We all know it's just based on an algorithm, right? The reality is that your home is only worth what someone today in today's world at this time would pay for it. So how can you really get that kind of hard data? You can hire an official appraisal, you know, from a appraising company, sure. Or the, the job version of that is to go on some interviews and get appraised by other hiring managers. What do they think you're worth? Ask them what their budget is for the role or get to the end of the interview and get the offer and, you know, compare that to what you're earning right now. That's hard. That's good, juicy data. And there's other benefits of interviewing too, like practice and making your network stronger, et cetera. But it's a great source of salary intelligence as well. That's such, such a great explanation uh, with the housing 
on you know the housing market and the interviews. I love that example. Love, love it. Now, what? Be- of course, you've already mentioned some of the things that you need to come to the table prepared with. Or is there anything else that you would want to mention that so you can ensure that you're not leaving any money behind? And I really love the tip of going on interviews to really get that data. Yes, absolutely. So think about your total compensation. I use this analogy in my I love analogies if you can't tell. <laughs> but in my <laughs> I do a free masterclass on negotiating and in my na- masterclass I talk about the compensation cupcake because I want people to start thinking of their compensation as so much more than just their paycheck and their salary. So the base of your cupcake would be your salary or what you believe your market value is today, like your base salary. And then your icing. Your icing can be the annual bonus that you receive on top of that. And then you want to add some sprinkles. The sprinkles could be equity. People don't think about equity as a form of compensation. But a lot of companies, even the ones that are on Silicon Valley, aren't out there. They offer equity as an incentive. So equity is, um, for those who, I'm sure your audience, they've been well-educated, but equity is basically shares in the company that they grant you and they have value, right? We're going to give you $10,000 worth of our stock and you may not you typically won't have access to it all right away, but it's additional compensation. Like you stay here for three years and once a year, you can um, take some of this equity and liquidate it and you can turn it into cash. You can invest it elsewhere. I loved equity throughout my career as a form of compensation. It's also a great bargaining chip when you are moving on to another company or you're wanting to. People think they call equity and like uh, stock options like golden handcuffs because of that whole rule that you, you have to stay three, four, five years in order to get all all of it but you know companies understand that they need to still poach people and so they'll actually like you can tell them hey if i were to join your company i have fifteen thousand dollars worth of stock i would be forfeiting can you make me whole and that's where you get a signing bonus you know so think about the sprinkles of equity also unvested 401k balances if you have 401k matches and you're going to lose it if you leave the company before a certain time if you accepted a signing bonus when you came onto the company and you're leaving in less than a year they may want it back you can use that as leverage to ask for more from the company that you're applying for so those are sprinkles on top of my compensation cupcake as a cherry. And I call this the equalizer cherry because I feel like as women and women of color, we're going to be undervalued. There's unconscious bias. There's flat out conscious bias, <laughs> racism. And there's also the fact that if you're, you know, advanced in your career and you're finally negotiating, you're probably even way underpaid, you know, for longer than just now. So let's make up for that by adding an extra 10 to 20% on top of whatever it is that you're going to ask for. And usually at this point, when you look at the total compensation, you start to see, oh, I'm worth a lot more than, you know, I thought I was. And, you know, here's where I should be aiming for just beyond the base salary. Such good information. I'm, I'm just blown because I, I left the corporate sector. Basically, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I even had five years at a company. <laughs> Because I got married, and then two years into my our marriage, we had my son, and I left. So I basically, I don't, maybe three years I worked, and then I left. Uh, so this is just, you know, for me, being that I've been outside, whether I've been a stay-at-home mom, then I started the business and everything, this is like, this is amazing stuff. <laughs> amazing stuff. You advocate for yourself. You probably negotiate brand partnerships. And- oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I love negotiating. As a Latina, I neg- I even my husband, he's not Latino, but he, he when he goes and negotiates <laughs> something, even just maybe it's buying something, he's like, oh, I, I negotiated today. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I've, I've had some influence on him because before he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just was born doing this. <laughs> 
my husband gets so annoyed. He's like, are you really going to send it back because it wasn't cooked well? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> because I just want to make sure I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, make I sure. Just how it, it builds confidence, like stick up for yourself if something isn't right. There's, of course, the line where like you're being a little too much. But if you are doing a service, if you're showing up and doing a good job, you should get paid well. Absolutely. And if you have paid for a service, then you should get what the hell, you know, you paid for. So all about that life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other thing that I love about you is that not only have you had all this experience in negotiating and you just you know, have done so well with it, but you've also been on the other side of the table as a manager doing the hiring. So can you give us some insights as to what are managers thinking behind the scenes when so that way when we go to negotiate can you just spill the tea a little bit <laughs> oh well i think you know i was an exceptionally good manager and i'm not afraid to really just live in that and and i'm not saying that i was the best at communicating all the time or all of that but i was a really forward thinking um, engaged manager i cared about people's progression i was doing things like creating a career track plan so that people could understand where their next steps were i was advocating for people who needed a compensation adjustment because they were earning less than someone doing the same thing i was a very um, high touch manager in that way. I'm not the norm, unfortunately. And a lot of managers aren't thinking about, man, how's Jen over there doing? Uh, is she been, you know, is her vibe good? And how, let me, let me check her salary, but you know, compared to so-and-so who was just hired and what can we do for Jen? And you know, annual reviews are coming up and I'm going to make sure we have budget for a little bonus for, you know, like not everyone's thinking that because what's happening in managers' minds are we have our own problems. <laughs> like, you know, you have your own um, KPIs, you know, key performance indicators, your own goals that you're going to get judged by. You've got, you know, the stress of having higher ups coming to you for answers. You've got personnel problems. Oh, someone needing a raise is maybe the least of your worries because someone just quit over there or someone's filed a complaint about so-and-so or you know like there's other stuff going on so i think it's important to remember that your managers are humans and that sometimes they also they can be stuck by their own the systems that the company has like even if they want to give you a raise they still may have a lot of red tape to work through and you have to incentivize them to want to fight for you and managers are more willing to go above and beyond for people who bring a lot of value who are not afraid to speak up for themselves and remind them, hey, you said you were gonna do this thing, any update, you know? So don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, but also try to think like, how can I make this the easiest possible for my manager to act on? Like be clear with what you want, check in with them, you know, don't be surprised though if you are frustrated because you feel like they're going at a slower pace you know like why isn't this moving find out what process they are bumping up against and maybe you can find out more about what may be holding it back yeah so i hope that that's helpful but no it is and it just leads me to think is also just build those relationships with your man you know that relationship with your manager is key you may want to stay away or whatever and, and do do your own thing but just those relationships and not just your manager connections with other lead you know as i became a senior director and um, was on track to be a vice president and all that like really climbing the ladder i recognize the importance of building relationships with other senior level department heads um, and having good rapport and that went a long way because at the end of the day when you're 
you're like striving for those really high promotions, sometimes there's a whole like little mini board of people who can decide who's going to get promoted. And like, if several of them know who you are already, and your name is coming up in rooms positively, because they've had a great interaction with you that can help you. Um, if other people like I, for example, had a boss who was just like, when I was a senior director, he was a v, uh, SVP or whatever. And he was just like, not he was not there to see me win. He was about himself. He was fine, but he definitely wasn't going above and beyond for me. And so I recognize I'm like, he's not going to be singing my praises. Um, I need to make sure that everyone else, you know, he's in to, to counteract him and his lack of, you know, love for me or whatever it was. I need to make strong connections with other people at his level. And so I did. I was intentional about it. How can I help you? You know, how can my team support you? What you guys are doing? Hey, what are you working on? Tell me about that. Hey, can I join this meeting and just be a fly in the wall? Um, because yeah, you just want to work those connections beyond just your manager. Right. So good. So good. Now, yeah. the other part that I want to address to end this conversation, even though there's so many questions I want to ask you, <laughs> yeah. we only have so much time, is... <laughs> What have you seen in terms of or observed? Of course, I'm only seeing in in my in our space, like what women are doing. And I feel like women have in the past several years have up their game in terms of negotiating and asking for more and valuing their, themselves. Right. And I'm curious to see, have you seen more and more women really take you know just taking um you know t taking charge and negotiating more uh, have you seen an increase of that i don't know if there's any data mm -hmm. i didn't even have time to look that up um, before we we had this conversation it's me i am data you are <laughs> i am data because i launched my career coaching business in the summer of 2021 and i have been able to just attract this core community of women through my coaching community called the Mandy Moneymakers. And every, you know, every time I, I have a new enrollment period, more women are joining and they are excited, they're fired up, they're enthusiastic. And that interest in vying for more and advocating for yourself has not waned. I mean, I also think because this is my message and my voice, I attract people who are more willing to like, you know, really, you know, get in that space and root for themselves. I certainly hope that this younger generation, because of like social media and because more of us at all ages, we're feeling less stigma about talking about our salary. I think younger generations are just more normalized for them to talk about salary, to talk about negotiating. The, the piece of it that um, is important is like younger people are, and even people now, because I, I actually work with a lot of women who are in their 40s, 50s, more senior in their careers. They're like, okay, I'm ready now. The key for me is it's never just about asking for more. It's about all the stuff that happens before you get to the opportunity to ask for more. People get really caught up in like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to apply to something new. I don't have this skill set. I don't have that. What if they don't like me? What if I don't like the new company? What if I get let go? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wait a second. Can you update your LinkedIn so you actually get an interview so that you can have the potential to have a real offer to be stressed about? You know, so a lot of the work I do is just like, you know, removing blockers and helping people just approach strategically their next step so they can actually get my goal is to not of course i want you to like 
have a huge negotiation uh, win and, and make a lot of money. But I'm also like, I want you to get out of your own way and change your mindset so that you can position yourself for the best offers. I want you to get approached by the companies that can afford you. And all of that is tied into negotiating. But people, I think, are focusing too much on the actual conversation of negotiating and not enough on like, how do I get my butt in the room to even be able to negotiate, you know? So that's a lot of, yeah, that's my trick. So if you come to my negotiating masterclass, you may be disappointed. I do have scripts. I have lots of scripts on what to say. And they're great scripts. I have, I got, I grabbed one. Oh, good. Thanks. But it's not, it is, that is important, but I don't let you stop there. I'm not, that would be for me. I care deeply about helping women level up and it can't just be about that conversation. It's everything that comes before it. Yeah. Agreed. Such a good point. And with this, and the other thing that I just wanted to share and, and have your perspective, of course, as women and then women of color, there's mm -hmm. the gender wage gap. And of course, and I'm not going to get into the whole gender wage gap because that's a whole episode in itself. It sucks. We all know it. Yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, negotiating is something that can help minimize, but it's going to take time because with the gender wage gap, it's not just about not getting equal, you know, getting that same amount of pay uh, that a, wild man, a white male makes but it's about what happens across the span of time because you don't get that pay so yeah. do you in your opinion and with your experience with the increased number of women especially maybe women of color that are negotiating and just taking charge and valuing themselves and asking for more and killing it out there do you think that's enough to put a dent in that wage gap i mean i think if i if you approach problems from like a nationwide statistic of how can we solve this wage gap for everyone that's beyond my control i can control one woman at a time you know i can't control but you know what i mean like working with one woman at a time and i just know that as women especially women of color when we learn something new, we don't keep it to ourselves. So I feel like when I help one woman, she's going to go and turn and probably turn around and help five of her friends, you know, or just by leading by example, by saying, I negotiated today, y'all, they're going to feel more empowered. So I really see my work in a more like focused, I, I, you know, a, a, like one step at a time kind of way. And I also, as a journalist, you know, I started my career in journalism, I was covering business and finance, and I had to write every time they had an update to the wage gap, I'd write the article and I'd write about how black women and women of color and Hispanic women and all this, like we would be severely, severely underpaid. And I just made a choice in my career to not let that hold me back. Statistics are going to statistic, you know, like the stats are always going to say that we are less likely to do this. We're more likely to fail. We're, no, no, don't have this much money. We're going to be poor, blah, 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 blah. The world's going to end for us. It sucks to be a woman of color. I rebuke that. Like there is another story we can tell ourselves. And that comes from joining a community like Mandy Moneymakers, where you are th like, it's in your face, women getting more because it's happening and you start to believe it's more possible. And that for me is the incremental work that will help us close that wage gap. But I care more about like the individual, you know, experience and like how I can help one woman and the next and the next and the next. What a powerful way to end this conversation, Mandy. That That is wonderful. I really love the points in your perspective because uh, I definitely agree. It's about, it's one person at a time. And I definitely see, you, you're so right, that we just don't keep this information ourselves because we want to be able to help others. I see that with my husband in the military and, and being a black officer in the military and how they help each other, right? Uh, so they don't get behind. 
behind the curve line. Uh, so I definitely, definitely agree. Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you brought uh, today. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I learned so much from you and keep doing what you're doing because it's so needed. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. It would be so awesome if schools taught us negotiation skills from an early age, right? This is a skill that everyone can benefit from in both professional and in our personal lives. There was so much I loved about this conversation to include thinking about other things you can negotiate, especially if an increase in salary for some reason is not an option. Mandy definitely is very skilled as you heard in negotiating and we can all learn from her. If you wanna continue learning more from her, you can connect with her at mandymoney.com. That is mandymoney.com. And of course, we'll have that link in the show notes. Listen, we want to know what your proudest negotiation moment has been. I'm going to share with you something I negotiated years ago when an increase in pay was not an option. If you're wanting to know what this was and also want to share your proudest negotiation moment, Join our private community over at jenhemphill.com forward slash community. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash community. And of course, it's linked up in today's show notes. As for next week, when you talk to your partner about money, do you find that you are both uncomfortable with the conversation? If so, in the next episode, I bring you a very special couple, Julian and Kirsten Sanders, and they are going to show you what you can do to improve those money conversations. Buena pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 352. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash 352. Remember that being the reign of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.